Oh, baby, baby. Library doing something new to try to uh, make this work. I've been able to now the library itself, but again, I can finally rent out a room and have a quiet place to sit and record. So I'm going to try to do this again because I spent a significant amount of time on this already, and due to multiple issues, I had to throw out everything I previously recorded already. So this time, we're going to be a little bit slower, more thorough, but this is also going to be a different podcast from what I normally do. If you've listened before, you probably take it's mostly political stuff and current events with some investigative work, but uh, for this, I wanted to do a bit of a culture binge. Stuff that I haven't really talked about much before. I've talked about some entertainment, but not a lot. But uh, there's a particular show that's been on TV that I became a fan of, and I later also became a fan of the source material, the graphic novel. That show is called Why the Last Man. So the letter Y, the last man. And so obviously from the title of the episode, you can tell I'm going to be reviewing it. Um, so, spoilers ahead for anybody who hasn't seen the show and plans on watching it or wants to watch or hasn't finished it, or you haven't read the graphic novels. But the graphic novels came out in the 2000s, and the show finished up its season on Sunday, so I think most people are caught up by now. So, spoilers ahead, but... Fair warning. So what is this thing that I'm talking about? First I saw the previews for it on TV, and I watched the first episode of the show called Why the Last Man, and I I found the premise interesting. So I ended up finding, I tried to find the actual graphic novels in the library, but someone had already beat me to the punch. So I had to wait a bit, but I was able to find a playlist on YouTube, which I have put in the description of this episode and it does cover the entirety of the series even though the artwork is slightly blocked out because the words are it has all the pictures and the guy reads all of the reads all the captions so you get sort of the same effect but let me give you a little bit of a summary this is from the actual I have with me the graphic novel so this is book one which is some of the first issues in the series called Welcome to the Unmanned World. And this is um, after some initial action has happened. This gives you a brief breakdown of the scenario of the story. In the summer of 2002, a plague of unknown origin destroyed every last sperm, fetus, and fully developed mammal with a Y chromosome. With the apparent exception of one young man and his pet, a male capuchin monkey. This gender side instantaneously exterminated 48% of the global population, or approximately 2.9 billion men. 495 of the Fortune 500 CEOs are now dead, as are 99% of the world's landowners. In the United States alone, more than 95% of all commercial pilots, truck drivers, and ship captains died, as did 92% of all violent felons. Internationally, 99% of all mechanics, electricians, and construction workers are now deceased. Though 51% of the planet's agricultural labor force is still alive. 14 nations, including Spain and Germany, have women soldiers who have served in ground combat units. None of the United States' nearly 200,000 female troops have ever participated in ground combat. 
Australia, Norway, and Sweden are the only countries that have women serving on board submarines. In Israel, all women between the ages of 18 and 26 have performed compulsory military service in the Israeli Defense Force for at least one year and nine months. Before the plague, at least three Palestinian suicide bombers had been women. Worldwide, 85% of all government representatives are now dead, as are 100% of Catholic priests, Muslim imams, and Orthodox Jewish rabbis. So the graphic novel takes place in 2002, and for those of us who were alive at the time and old enough to remember America as it was back in 2002, it's the post-9-11 atmosphere of patriotism and paranoia. I didn't read this when it came out, and I was not aware of it until the TV show came out, but honestly, I'm glad the TV show did come out, because now I'm a fan, but, you know. So the story basically revolves around, in the graphic novel, 2002, and the accompanying TV show, which is, my understanding is it takes place in the present day. What happens is that every mammal with a Y chromosome suddenly collapses and dies. So, there's been a lot of commentary about this from other people I've watched, and I think there's some sort of popular-ish right-wing trope about the show being too woke, and therefore it's uh, you know, not successful. And what I will say is that the TV show does have key differences from the graphic novel, some of which I'm not 100% as to why the changes were made, but you know, if it were up to me, they would just make the graphic novel shot for shot in TV, but you know, maybe they don't want to do that, which is fine. They're, the world is different, and to say that we could just replicate 2002 and 2021 obviously wouldn't be a fair assessment. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, the, the graphic novel itself focuses mostly on the main character of the book. His name is Yorick Brown. And um, I have included this in the description as well if you want to read. There's a bit of a good synopsis here in the LA Times about um, what happened. So, basically, this is in the description if you want to read it, but... The main character of the story, uh, his name is Yorick Brown. It's like Yo Rick. Yorick. It's a Shakespeare name. And his pet monkey, Ampersand. Ampersand, like the thing in English class that you learned and forgot, but it's above the seven on your keyboard. Or is the seven on your keyboard if you got a Chromebook like I do? Are the only two mammals that survive this. Um, plague apocalypse and the book and the graphic novel give a multitude of possibilities as to what caused it and it does far later on in the series reveal why these two particular characters the monkey and the man were able to survive this particular plague so without going too far into details right this man and his monkey uh, by chance get together and because of that he's able to survive this massive quote-unquote gendercide. And you know, one of the things that I found interesting, and this is noticed in the book and the series as well, is that while the graphic novel focuses mostly on the tale of uh, the main character, Yorick Brown, and two of his sidekicks, uh, a woman named Agent 355 and another woman named Dr. Allison Mann, the TV show definitely dives into other stories that are happening in the world, and I think that that kind of world building can be helpful for helping people kind of dive into a show. Because obviously, if you're a fan of the novel, right, the whole point is that you're following this guy, York Brown, as he tries to na navigate across the country in a post, what is essentially a post-apocalyptic world. Now. When we think about the destruction that's going on here, and then the TV show, if you've seen it, you maybe get a sense of it. And if you've read the graphic novels, you caught the very, in my opinion, well-done opening. But essentially, there 
is complete and total chaos for most of the world when the plague hits. As is mentioned earlier, large parts of society, which includes the people who fix planes, the people who fly the planes, and the people who direct the planes, all die instantaneously. So, if you're up in the air, unless there's a female pilot or somebody who can fly the plane, it's uh, probably going to be bad news bears for you. Not to mention the fact that this is also pointed out in the show as well, which I thought was interesting. So, when we say the last man, right, and this is probably part of that woke-ish thing that some people are talking about, but I think it's a bit overstated, is that when, when it's talked about someone being the quote-unquote last man on Earth or the last male on Earth, now these are just mammals, so there are other male species that exist in the world, but supposedly the idea is that showing the Y chromosome issue basically details that some people will say this means that gender or sex is irrelevant. I disagree. I mean, the whole point of this is that the Y chromosome, this specific part of the reproduction cycle of mammals, which is typically found in what we would identify as the male species or men, right? If it was to, if, it's, if half the species of any population disappears, it's trouble. But they do point out that because DNA can be so complex and so can the, you know, between the hormones and the reproductive changes that happen and things that I'm not an expert in at all. You know, it's not just the stereotypical man like myself that would have died that day. It would have been trans women and it would have been women who had a Y chromosome and didn't know it or anybody who had a Y chromosome. It definitely broadens the idea of humanity, if you think about it, because pointing out that, you know, while there are very broad ranges that most of us operate under, you know, it can be far more complex than we give it credit for. And the idea that there could be people who are, you know, by all standards, women with the Y chromosome and could have died from this too. You know, it's crazy. And one thing I think that the show kind of covers in that the book doesn't get into till far later is sort of you know all of this happens and you as the reader and the viewer are given a small sense of what may have caused it but really you have no idea and if you're in the world of this universe right you're definitely going to be probably paranoid and scared because you're not 100 percent as to what happened and one of the things that I think the show does really well is that it covers a different aspect of the apocalypse that I think is, you know, far too often overlooked. And it might be a little wonky and boring and the political science nerd in me coming out, but this is only very briefly mentioned in the graphic novel, but in the show, there's definitely a, a much greater focus on this. And again, I'm quoting the LA Times here because they've summed it up as well as I have. So, uh, to give you a rough sense of what happened. So, in the fifth episode of this series, um, and just a quick reminder of what happened. So, um, when all of the quote-unquote men die, the presidential line of succession basically is entirely decimated. And from 2002 to now, well now obviously with uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, the line wouldn't go so far down, but you know, in this particular world that's been more reflective of the past, the first woman that comes into the line of succession is, in the graphic novels, the Secretary of Agriculture, who they paint as somebody who isn't necessarily qualified for the job, but not, but isn't really a bad person. The TV show, however, I think gives an update in this sense in that while the graphic novel is very clear early on about who is in charge in the line of succession, um, 
the show very much gives a much more chaotic scene as one of the other characters in the show, Jennifer Brown, uh, the story, the mother of the last surviving man on earth, ends up becoming president in the show due to, you know, whatever series chain of events happens. So in in the TV show, um, there is a much greater emphasis on the political power struggle. And, you know, if you read the graphic novel, you're aware that there's basically a rough scene where a bunch of wives of former Republican office holders who've died want to take their seats to help run the government. And unfortunately, Jennifer Brown and the other sticklers in government say that there are rules to follow, which there are. Normally, in a lot of times when, in the past, a spouse has died in Congress, uh, the other spouse can take their place, but that usually results in a special election or appointment, and as the universe has already dictated in this sense, the vast majority of state governors were men and are now dead. So the idea of just what the remaining power structure is going all the way down from the federal government to you know every local layer of government shows how crazy it would be. But getting back to the TV show. In the TV show, there's a key power struggle that breaks out because another character named Regina Oliver, who is another low-ranking cabinet member, becomes the person who technically has a constitutional claim to the presidency and the way that she's painted as a Marjorie Taylor Greene MAGA type of Republican isn't totally off especially with the Trump administration recently departing and the type of staff that was picked I 100% could see this happening also one thing that I think is covered a little bit more is that And again, this is going to be quoting the article here that talks about the differences. Unlike in the comics, where the Republican uprising was quickly resolved, and that essentially resulted in them working out a deal to figure out what happened, the political conflict still brews in the series led by new characters created by the show. One person, conservative personality Kimberly Campbell Cunningham, played by actress Amber Tamblyn, the previous president's daughter, who is none too happy about being excluded from government decisions, has been trying to assemble allies in the Pentagon and sees Oliver's return as a blessing. For now, it appears neither Cunningham nor Oliver will be won over by President Brown, and it's unlikely that whatever they plan will be resolved as easily as the Republican dissent in the comics. So, this is true. Right, and I definitely think that in this particular situation, if we were to just basically break it down into, you know, how would this particular dynamic work in a constitutional crisis such as the vast majority of the government is now dead, and every department is now down to its female and trans male employees? which, you know, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but it's probably far less than what it would be if both genders are included. But I do think that this points out a very interesting dynamic in, you know, what happens when the characters get together. And funny enough, you know, York Brown, uh, the main character in the story, makes a similar reference where when the men are gone, he makes a joke that all the women become a kind of kumbaya society and I suppose maybe I've heard this joke as well where if only the men were gone and the women ran the world it would be so much better well in this story they get the chance obviously not in a way that's actually you know ideal nobody wants half the world to die all at once suddenly but seeing what happens in a world when men are removed and I think the show does a good job in pulling off all these different uh, female characters and women characters and trans characters who have to navigate what it means for them in a world where there's no longer 
in this case, the opposite sex with a Y chromosome. I guess I'm being careful here because um, in the novel, there's not a whole lot of talk about trans characters, um, except for some brief interactions and one quick soft story. But in the TV show, one of the minor characters from the novel is actually set up as a friend of another main character. Um, the main guy, Yorick Brown, has a sister named Hero, who is kind of the family fuck-up. And she is friends with a transgender man named Sam. Now, I'm not 100% as to if this is the exact same scenario, but this looks like the character from the graphic novel that York meets at the train station briefly and then later gets more of a starring role in the side story about this all-female and trans man group of uh, performers who are trying to, you know, do plays in a post-male world. So, I will say that I don't think it's necessarily wrong or woke to ask yourself what happens to the trans characters in this story. Because if we're to, you know, sort of game this out on our end of how this would work, if the Y chromosome is what kills people, so you have people walking around who, for the practical purposes of our society, look like, have the presentation of, and have documents that present them as male. And Sam, one of the characters, makes a good point during the show where he says that he has to explain a lot normally, and in this post-apocalyptic world, there's even more questions. And you can imagine that in a world where all this confusion and anger is happening, between TERFs, trans-exclusionary radical feminists, and in this, in the series, a cult that takes that to the next level called the Dars of the Amazon, along with maybe, you know, more conservatively in opinions definitely give the sense of there's a more strict definition of the gender and the binary biological sex connection so for a lot of them having a lack of access to a the medical care they may need because if the vast majority of doctors have died then you know who knows what's available along with supplies and all the other stuff. So, you know, if you get a Walking Dead vibe from this, you probably should because part of it is that people who help keep the electrical and the grid working all perish. Now, it's not a total collapse. There's still trains. There are different towns where, as it's pointed out, people are able to sort of figure it out on a smaller scale. And, you know, it makes sense these kind of apocalyptic scenarios your urban areas are going to be where most of the crazy things happen and smaller areas like in the show they were able to actually come up on it and this particular part I think is important too and I want to get to it in a second but I just want to cover real quick the rest of the differences between the TV show and graphic novel, at least book one of the graphic novel, and then go into some deeper thoughts on it. So again, with help from this uh, Los Angeles Times article, uh, some key differences if you haven't seen, if you haven't read the graphic novel, but have watched the show, um, there are differences between the two, and if you've read the novel and watched the show, you probably know already, but basically key differences is that in the graphic novel, a character named the Secretary of Agriculture, Margaret Valentine, becomes president. But in the TV show, Jennifer Brown becomes president. So the difference obviously being the commander-in-chief in a post-apocalyptic setting versus an advisor or someone closer to the president. Obviously, they're all together, but, you know, still. Hero Brown, uh, the older sister of the main character, Yorick, uh, has a bit of a change regarding not necessarily the entire character, but maybe the opening. But, you know, Hero tends to make some decisions that aren't necessarily 
great and when the apocalypse does come she ends up becoming part of a group called the daughters of the amazon which is consistent uh but the differences between her story in the book and the novel um there's a there's a few however they does spend more time sort of getting to know hero in the way she is which i think is helpful as well sam jordan yes sam jordan uh played by elliot fletcher is a transgender man is according to this one of the characters created for the show now again i think if i'm correct there is a transgender man in the book and i believe his name is sam and i believe they meet at a train station and i believe he does kind of look very much like the character in the show so i think it's not totally uninspired but if i'm wrong then i'm wrong but whatever anyway the idea that uh you have a transgender friend i think is in aspect worth exploring i'm sure a lot of people will say that you know because of the way this is set up is that you know we don't necessarily have to talk about the trans characters as much because they feel that that's not really the point of the story but you know the, the world changed since 2002 and the differences and acknowledgement of trans rights and the science behind transitioning has definitely increased and provided a different outlook for sorry i'm just going through the pages here and i don't believe that sam is mentioned in the first book and i'm pretty sure i'm correct on that one but you know whatever i can double check later anyway so sam jordan interesting character agent 355 the african american secret agent uh cool in the book cool in the show badass well crafted choice so again um in the show agent 355 is task with guarding president Campbell and is seen uh, helping to take out a small white supremacist terrorist cell. In the graphic novel though, um there's a much bigger story happening. She's retrieving an artifact from the country of Jordan. The artifact is called the Amulet of Helen is in the series set up as one of the possible causes for the extinction event and it definitely, you know, as opposed to being with the president when he collapses in the show um 355 is on a plane when the plague happens so he's able to survive which is still a cool story but here's where i get to another difference in the show that i'm not 100% as to why this change was made but you know whatever i'm not here to judge i guess the main character york has a girlfriend beth in the graphic novel beth is in australia while york is in brooklyn new york in the tv show beth is in the united states at the same time as york when everything goes down now the reason i think i'm not 100% on board with this was that you know in the novel Beth being in Australia has a whole implication for York trying to leave the United States and being the only woman he wants to find despite the situation of being the last living biological Y chromosome human male. And part of the journey is that while he's working with the other two characters to get to medical facility to try to help solve the crisis of, you know, the lack of Y chromosomes. More time is spent trying to figure out exactly, you know, how to get to Australia in York's mind. And then there's another story with Beth who's in Australia and has uh, you know, a has an encounter with some um indigenous folks from Australia. In the TV show, uh Beth is here in the United States, ends up being able to get back to the White House to see Jennifer Brown 
then apparently is part of a terrorist cell which helps break into the Pentagon and help topple, theoretically, the U.S. government. Results in Regina George being killed and I guess the technical president of the United States at that point being shot. And it gives the implication that once the Pentagon has fallen that the U.S. government has collapsed. Now, you can imagine when all the communication systems have broken down that really rumors run rampant everywhere and we're told in the show to believe that Jennifer Brown the president mother to York and Hero is dead but she's not she is for some reason held captive with Sam Hero's transgender friend and Beth York's fiance in a secret room being monitored by another character who maybe is related to the Israeli commando Alter Leone that is very prevalent in the first book but has zero real mentions in the TV show and one of the other uh, military generals that was in that was left as part of the Joint Chiefs of Staff so I'm not 100% as to why that, that change was made, per se. I think that having having his girlfriend slash fiance be on a different continent and the lack of real understanding as to what to do or how to get to her helps build the storyline, but, you know, who am I to judge? So... That's kind of the basic breakdown of the show, and you know, without getting into too much more details, because I want people to watch it and read the graphic novels. There, there are key differences between the two, but they do manage to converge, and I think in enough places to make the story work. Uh, the show was, as reported, uh, canceled by FX for whatever reason, and you know, I don't think it's because it was too woke, or I think don't think it was not woke enough. I'm assuming it probably has more to do with the fact that the series is from Vertigo, which is owned by DC, which is different from Marvel, which as the Hulu, ABC, Marvel corporate merger wave concoction tells us is that it's a different comic book, graphic novel, brand, franchise than the one that they are owned by. So. Maybe they didn't put the effort into it they should have, although I'm assuming that the pandemic probably forced them to make changes in terms of how they film it. I do think that the characters that they added, I think the story overall is improved. If they can keep some of the same components in place, I think that the show, if it does come back for season two, if it keeps closer to the source material then away from it it will do well again it doesn't have to be a scolding reminder of the wokeness because there is a broad range of diversity of opinions among survivors now in the last man book one which is the several first several issues. One of the main villains that we meet is a woman named Victoria, who is the self-proclaimed leader of the Daughters of the Amazon, a cult of women who exist post-plague and believe that this was intended or nature wants the male chromosome to disappear. And, you know, they they cut off one of their breasts because they believe myth that it helps him shoot a bow and arrow better and uh, you know it's, it's, it's all sorts of crazy. It's people who are starving and looking for shelter and protection and you know that sort of thing happens so it's very interesting that you know there's when you see that the men are gone and women are left to figure things out among one another that you know surprise surprise women are not a monolith and they don't all think the same you know there are those who would try to advocate for it's a good thing that the men are gone and there are those who maybe cannot get over the fact that 
the men disappeared. One of the themes in the show, in the book, is, you know, there are memorials set up in place by women for their fallen fathers, brothers, uncles, husbands, sons, nephews, all of that. And the daughters of the Amazon and the, you know, radical people believe that you know, they smash it all, trash it all, all of that nonsense. And, you know, that's they're your typical crazy villains. And I think that that 100% is something that we always expect is that there are villains who are predators. And in a world where civil society and rules are broken down and a natural more brutal natural order of things has sort of emerged, these people will try to rise rise from all of that and try to take control. So that's something I, I related to. What I will say though is that in the TV show, they give a backstory to Victoria. Victoria's character in the show is Nora, a woman who works for the President of the United States who before the passing is a conservative Republican and Nora is also the is also a mother and a wife so when the plague hits she loses her husband and her son and is left to carry for her daughter which in the show results in them having to leave their home and meet up with this group of daughters in the Amazon in a what is an old Costco warehouse essentially led by a woman named Roxanne, who is missing a breast, and we are led to believe is an ex-police officer, but only to find out she's not. She's just a former manager of the store, or assistant manager of the store, and sort of takes on this new persona after the plague happens, and gets a bunch of women from domestic violence shelters to join her. So again, that's, that tracks. That's something that I definitely think could happen. And I think trying to give Victoria an origin story is helpful. And, you know, there are some people who say that we don't need to give every villain an origin story, which is true. But I think for the purposes of trying to expand a creative universe and knowing that not every person comes from it just straight up evil, that understanding why a woman like Victoria, who in the novel comes off as very, you know, anti-men you look at you look at this person and you would get a sense if you've probably seen them on a college campus before but in the show she's a mother who loses it and is tired of you know using was using her skills to deal with a world where men were in charge and now now men are gone she's got to make stuff happen i will say though at the very end of the series um, as they get closer towards it does track with the end of the book, but essentially the main character, Yorick, and his friends come upon a small town where um, everything seems to be in working order and it's populated by women they have electricity. Now, the reason being is that they go to a place that was a town next to a women's correctional facility. And obviously once the plague happened, the male guards died and the female guards couldn't handle everything and they just left. So. These women built their own community in the remaining places and, you know, sort of have a, a good thing going. Key differences here, which I really liked in the book and wasn't necessarily opposed to in the show, but I think it could have been done better, is sort of the last showdown. In the novel, we find out that Victoria learns of the existence of York, the last man, and goes with her uh, cult members, including York's sister hero, to hunt him down. Same thing happens in the show, except Victoria is not introduced yet. She's still Nora, and Roxanne, the crazy lady, is still leading them. And instead of just trying to capture the man, they show up and they engage in a gunfight with the tent residents of the town. And they lose, and they're forced to retreat. Now, I maybe there was something in the next season that would have resolved this, but in the show, 
after after they get to this town, basically they attempt to kill Yorick and almost do, but Yorick is saved by another woman whom he has developed feelings for. This woman is killed by his sister. So in the book, it's a very fast, traumatic, and you know brutal experience. But in the TV show, the Yorick, the main character, is escaping, and his sister Hero finds him. But instead of it being this dramatic, this dramatic confrontation between the main villain, his sister, and him, another crony of hers is displayed and kills Yorick's girlfriend from the town, also ironically named Beth. And Hero then kills this woman, although in the novel, Beth, the woman Yorick sees from the town, who is not his fiancée, girlfriend, uh, is another woman named Beth, and I'm going to double check that to confirm, because uh, with all these different names here, I sometimes get confused, but you know, one of the tricks of the show is that York basically meets a Beth everywhere he goes, but basically, before Victoria tries to kill York, York is killed by the girl who likes him. Sorry, Victoria is killed by the girl who likes York before he gets the chance, and then Hero kills. The girl and Beth. I'm sorry, I got the book in front of me and I should have written all this down, but you know, what are you gonna do? The town is Marysville, Ohio. That's where the uh, that's where the town is, and it's relevant because they're from Ohio originally, the Brown family, and Jennifer Brown, the congresswoman. Is from Ohio, so they know the area. I don't know. I just I get it. The shootout was cool, but why they would have allowed them to escape and how Nora shoots Roxanne and then becomes Victoria seems a little a little forced or a little rushed in my mind. But you know, if they want to create origin stories for these for these different characters. And they want to include it more, that's fine. I will say the component that um, really got me though was seeing the, you know, the kind of drama that's happening in DC. And I definitely think that, you know, the TV show paints it in a far more realistic scenario than what happens in the graphic novel. Whereas in the graphic novel, presidents in charge. Republican women show up and shoot up the White House with guns because they want to, you know, take advantage of things that they're owed to them. In the TV show, the White House is actually overrun, even though they're not in there. And because they're all in the Pentagon for a meeting when the event happens, they're already locked into place, which knowing what was going to happen, the Pentagon may have been probably the best option for them to be at. And the Pentagon becomes the new center of government operations. As I mentioned earlier, in this TV show, Beth, York's girlfriend, is not in Australia, but in fact infiltrates inside of the Pentagon to help a group of radical activists overthrow the government. And, you know, it's a very tense standoff, and it's really well done, and I, I liked how it ended. But, you know, the the uncertainty to the end, and I'm sure the this this was going to be their attempt to bring in a woman who is... Supposedly, the Israeli agent Alter Leone, then, you know, cool. The second season would have been super helpful for that. But, you know, at least in my mind, if you're going to introduce characters like that, you know, maybe try to make it, you know, a little more connected. And you know what? Hey, if they realized that trying to do all of it at once was too much and they were going to break it down through different seasons and have different episodes following different characters. So instead of it being different blurbs and different issues, they could break it down over time. By all means, go ahead and do so. I think that wouldn't be a bad idea. I just don't want the show to sort of fall into the trap of, you know, feeling like it's either got to 
push to be more quote-unquote woke or try to change the original source material beyond its you know intended meaning because although it's been 20 almost 20 years since it came out in a sad way it's not necessarily a whole lot different while the progress has been made the gender imbalance and a lot of the things I just mentioned including government and electrical jobs and pilots these are all still here barriers are being broken and you know with the trans community and the non-binary community becoming more active and present in our understandings of gender the social constructs behind that and its connection to biological sex all continue to be analyzed and debated but I definitely think that their story is one worth telling because there is nobody who would be well prepared for this apocalypse I suppose unless of course you were just a survivalist in general but if you're somebody who is going through gender transition and you live in a world where everyone around you is knows that the Y chromosome has disappeared and you very much look like someone with the Y chromosome it, that kind of tension is always going to be there and nobody would I wouldn't want that for anybody nobody should want to have to go through that but no I don't think that you know spending too much time on trans characters makes the show too woke I definitely think it makes the show more realistic what I will say though is I definitely wanted to get more uh, knowledge of what happens with the conservative women because you know we, we get the sense of from the show and a bit from the novel that the women who are left in charge of the government when this happens are the quote-unquote Rachel Maddow types you know there's a that perception that these women who are you know anti-men and they're anti-kids and they're have these weird feminist theories and you know that that kind of attitude is definitely prevalent and I think that attitude wouldn't go away but I also think that there is a real concern that as positions of power and government and different fields of industry continue to diversify particularly when it comes to gender now, what does that mean? It, obviously, men are not a monolith, and therefore women are not a monolith. What would it mean for these different groups of women to come together when circumstances are changed, and maybe they traditionally have not had nor have had the ability to make big, powerful decisions, but now are thrust to? How would anybody do in those scenarios? But one of the themes of the book overall, and I, and I agree with this, is that you know, while things are terrible for a long time, eventually they're able to figure it out. You know, whether it's through cloning and nature's asexual reproduction and different methods of trying to help save the population, along with um, other parts of the story which involves other men who survived and whole another crazy story about that and that again that's why i love the books read just read the graphic novels or watch the playlist that i've included in the description it's fantastic it's really well written really connects and there's so much stuff going on and i cannot recommend it enough but the point being is that a show where a it's all women for the most part except for the one male character and again some people are saying that it's not woke enough quote unquote because it's not about a world of women it's about a man the name of the show is the last man so the character is the last quote unquote man and while that's a reference to york or ampersand up to you but i think we both know what it means and it's not, it's not as if this, the premise of that is, you know, men disappeared and therefore it was a better place. Like, it was a violent plague that attacked people specifically based on, you know, a genetic component. And 
if you've watched the most recent Bond film, which again, spoilers for that too, a DNA-based weapon is not something entirely made up, but, you know, the idea that something could happen and kill all the men all at once is a terrifying thought, I will say that. You know, I think we all live in a world where escapism matters and you have to find something that really drives your passion. My wife was always more into graphic novels than I was, and she's got a bunch, and we've watched, you know, different animated versions of those, or booted versions of those as well, and if they're well done, you know, they can be really good. And, you know, like The Boys is able to provide both a commentary on culture while also be an entertaining show. I definitely think that The Last Man through its original source material and through an updated TV show version could give us that same kind of emotional catharsis and wonder. Because, I mean, as a, as a matter of... As a matter of me personally speaking, if you've watched one apocalyptic show or movie, you've seen almost all the apocalyptic shows or movies. Now, what would you do if... You're in an urban area and all of a sudden a virus breaks out and kills most of the people around you or it's urban chaos or it's the happening and the trees start to kill you. You know, we're, we all think that we would probably do better in crisis and chaos than we actually do. And I think the last year the pandemic definitely showed that when shit does hit the fan, a lot of people may think that they're prepared, but they're not. A lot of people may think they're not prepared, but they can step up to the moment as well. But I think it's more so the other way around. A lot of people would not be prepared for it. And in this scenario, you know, if you're if you're me and you have the Y chromosome, you're not York or Ampersand. Hey, the story's over for you, right? And it looks pretty quick. It looks like you're here, you're bleeding, you die, and that's that's the end of the story. Granted, all the other stuff happens afterwards, but in that scenario, in an ironic way, the patriarchy is crafty because the men die and the women have to clean up the mess. But what would happen in this post-apocalyptic world where the Y chromosome is removed? And again, we sort of briefed it earlier, but depending on where you live, you know, and what state or country you're in, your recognition as a quote-unquote man is based on your residency and your citizenship on passports so in a post-apocalyptic world will there be social justice warriors still arguing over the terms man and women particularly when half the population dies off catastrophically probably that tends to happen i think the last pandemic has shown us that when people are in crisis for the most part, we all can pitch in and work together and try to make things happen. But, you know, some people some people break and some people take hold of misinformation and fear and don't help or hinder or make things worse. That's human nature, I guess. And I think that's why I like the novels, the graphic novels, and I like the show is that, you know, we maybe have these expectations of human nature, particularly, you know, maybe we all feel like gender and sex has this sort of really, really strict confines that not everybody fits into, but as a general rule, exists for a reason. But I also think women are vastly far more complex and diverse than they're often given credit for. And I think it's very often what I just painted as, you know, you read exit polls and it's how do women vote and how do white women versus women of color and how do educated women versus non-educated or women with college degrees and or don't have college degrees and who are mothers and who are single and who are married. And, you know, people are people and gender and sex are part of that equation. I've sort of come to this conclusion of three basic 
not really rules, but I guess my general ideas to help kind of make this easier. We don't have to be woke about it. We don't have to be crazy about it. In my mind, men and women are equal. Men and women are complementary. And men and women are different. I think all three of those things are true. I think all three of those things feed into one another. And while a lot of people I've seen will try to basically go into the very, very, you know, in the super early stages of development, it can go either way. Yeah, sure, obviously, right? But eventually it does go one way or the other, at least for most of us. And if it doesn't, and there are, you know, different cases, we should obviously be open to everything. But as a, I think for the most part, we know that for human beings, we tend to break up among men and women, whatever those definitions are, usually based on your state and whatever your birth certificate says or what you change it to. But I think we should try to keep the show alive. I think it's important to have more shows where all women are the cast because I think it helps us realize that maybe we all, maybe if we think in monoliths or stereotypes that we shouldn't, you know. I think there is this kind of assumption that, you know, once all the boys are together, boys are always boys. And that may be true in some cases, but, you know, people, and I think individuality, as someone who really believes in someone's individual rights, you know, we don't all fit into every box. And human psychology sometimes tells us we have to because we're group animals and we want to be part of the group. Sometimes the group is wrong. and Sometimes the group does not have your best interest in mind and the group loses itself into mob rule and chaos. Sometimes the mob comes after you because you exist and because they decided things because of things like your gender or your race that you can or can't do something with no real basis for it. But, you know, women are equally capable of all the jobs men do, you know? I honestly don't think that you know, I, I remember reading the, that infamous Google memo a few years ago, written by one of the engineers at Google who talked about his theory on why, you know, more, why the gender balance was how it was in tech. And it's not like he was malicious or anything like that, but I just think that the assumption that we're making with both the genders in the show kind of shows it is that, you know, we're in this together and we need to understand each other. And if we were all to just, if the other half were to disappear one day, it would be very sad and very difficult and be a very complex situation to try to work through. But if anything, this show helps break down how, you know, we may feel about women under pressure, how we may feel about women when men are not around. And of course, as I said, women are capable they're equal, they're different, and they're complementary, which is a term that I've heard more so from the religious side, and as someone who's not particularly religious, but has reads other more religious political conservative figures and how their understanding works, it's not totally without merit. I very much get a yin-yang scenario out of this, and I think that this particular show helps explain how balances are bad either way and later on there's a reference to china and way towards the end of the book and obviously with china having its over male populated situation you know these these are real questions we have and we can always break it down into more advanced gender issues but i don't think that's necessary i just think that the show should be picked up by a service that's willing to 
invest in the storyline and make it work because there's a lot of components in it and if it's done well I think as a visual experience I think it'd be great I think the casting choices were great I think adding the new characters in is a good spin not a fan of everything but again I'm not the creators the creators apparently signed off on it so you know if they like it then it's up to them but if you like the podcast thanks for listening like, share, comment, subscribe. All links are in the description. And I've got stuff to do today, so hopefully we'll get this up soon. Take care, y'all. Peace.